Welcome to the show, and thank you for checking us out. So I probably need to address the elephant in the room here, and it's something I hate to talk about, but I do need to bring it up. Jerry Miller, the editor of Metal Edge, has passed away recently, and uh, I grew up a huge Metal Edge fan. And of course, I recently had Paul Gargano on, who was the editor after Jerry Miller. And my guest today, Rob Lane, he was also a huge fan of Metal Edge magazine. And we're both sad to hear of Jerry Miller's passing. So I want to dedicate this episode to Jerry Miller. I think she was a big proponent of a lot of the music that Rob and I love. So rest in peace, Jerry. But my guest today, Rob Lane, he is, the bass, he is a bass player, podcaster, pop culture fan, all around good guy. And I was lucky enough to be a guest on his show, but now I get to return the favor and have him on my show. And I think that basically makes us BFF, best friends forever or blood brothers or something. Uh, but it was a lot of fun to do this episode because Rob is such a nice guy. He's so supportive of my show and he's obviously a great podcaster himself with some amazing guests on his show that I'm very jealous of, by the way, like Michael Starr from Steel Panther. He had on John Schneider from Dukes of Hazard. And uh, I knew he was a musician as well, but I, I didn't really know how many great bands he had played in until we started prepping for this interview. And he gave me a list, his resume. He's played with Bullet Boys, uh, Ryan Roxy, who is Alice Cooper's guitar player, Johnny Monaco from Enough's Enough, played in the band Jet Boy, uh, played with Jared, Jared, Jared Riddick from Bowling for Soup, and also some band called Let Loose, which apparently have, they have this monster hit in the UK. They never had a hit here in the US. But anyways, he's got a great resume of music, so it was a lot of fun diving into his background. And if you're a fan of Rob or his podcast, now you're going to know all about it. Enjoy. Welcome, Rob Lane, to the Chuck Shoot Podcast. How you doing? I'm good, man. This is awesome. This is exciting for me. Yeah, this is it. so cool. Like it, it's, it was so fun being on your show, and now you're on my show. And uh, I mean, I'm you're a musician, a podcaster, and uh, do I dare call you my friend, too? Like, Can I say that? Let's do it. All right. <laughs> Everybody's friends these days. Right. Everybody's friends in this virtual world. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's weird that I can talk to you. I can actually see you too. And you're how many miles across the pond? I mean, it's insane. Uh, well, you're on the other side of the state. So I know yeah. I say 3000 miles, but there's probably another few thousand miles in between that. So, yeah. So, so I recently I had, seen, what's that? We're about five or 6,000 miles away. That's, yeah, that's a lot. So I just, I don't know if you listened to my episode with Lips from Anvil, but he's from yeah. Canada. And so I asked him, I was like, so what are the biggest differences between US and Canada? And he just froze like a deer in the headlights. So I've structured a better question for you. So one thing I remember people from the UK, when they came to visit here, they were so uh, enamored by all the fast food places in the USA. Do you agree with that's a big difference? Or is there other things that stand out to you when you come to the US? If you'd asked that question maybe 10, 15 years ago, people would have agreed that the amount of fast food places, but now it's we're, we're catching up pretty, oh, really? pretty well. <laughs> okay. So is it become more Americanized there? Like, is the fast food the same? It's the same stuff that's over here, or do you guys have like special like UK stuff? I'm trying to think what we're missing. We, Wendy's hasn't made it over here, um, but we still have Burger King, McDonald's, KFC, Subway. Uh, Taco Bell. I don't know if Taco Bell. I don't. I don't know if Taco Bell's made it or not. There may be a few. Okay. Not in the mainstream, but yeah, England's really trying to catch up. I mean, I've always lived in the UK, but I used to spend my summers in the states because oh. my dad lives over there. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, okay. Yeah. Where's your dad live? So I've got Mississippi. Oh, wow. That's a. That's got to be a culture shock. <laughs> Uh, but I, I love it there. Uh, and I used to spend like my six week summer vacation there from when I was like eight years old. Uh, and so I used to love going over there to like Burger King and all that kind of stuff. But now it's all come to the UK and it's, it spoils it a little bit. I used to like going to the States and experiencing it over there. So what do people treat you when you have that accent? In Mississippi, because in Mississippi, everyone everyone kind of talked like this, right? And then do they, like, yeah. what's wrong with you, boy? What, like, do they give you shit for that, or are they just like think it's cool? Or over here in the UK, from where I'm from, I'm like right in the middle of the UK in the what we call the Midlands. Yeah, and I consider it to be like a really what we call a really common accent. 
but in the states everybody thinks it's right really charming and almost posh i don't know if that's how it comes across to you well it's just so different from what i'm saying like in mississippi it's so southern there i would i would assume yeah that's gotta be that's like the deep south really yeah and the weird thing is i've got a stepsister from the states who actually lives over here now and got married to someone in the uk so she's got this really screwed up so that she's got a really strong southern accent but with uk that's fascinating speaking in there so it's crazy (laughs) so then how did you see like american television and music did you see that when you would visit in the states or were you able to (laughs) what's that it's all on my wall. It's yeah, but how did you, as a kid, did they have, because like I know you're a fan of like Dukes of Hazard and A-Team and all those 80s shows that I loved as a kid. Did they have that over there or did you only see that when you came to visit oh, yeah. the States? That was, ask anybody, any kid from the 80s, we looked at America with like wild eyes because all those shows, especially those 80s ones, like you say, Dukes of Hazard and A-Team, Knight Rider, Airwolf and everything, they were staples of uk kids tv it just blew our minds it was just so larger than life um so yeah we loved it yeah because i grew up on isn't the thing in the uk i never understood this that all their shows are only like one or two seasons why is that uh we don't like to burn out on stuff we we keep it nice and good like like they don't office like you'd think if they um if a show is like a really big hit why would they stop making new ones I don't get it. Ideas kind of run out. You got to be really uh, good really? if you can keep those shows going for a long, long time. I think, I think sometimes in the UK we're like, okay, let's stop now before we do run out of ideas, rather okay. than milking it. And what do they say, jumping the shark at some point. Yeah, no, that definitely. Yeah, because over the shark, they definitely do that here. They run things a little too long, for sure. I would say that happens a lot. But like one show I think that was really good was like, like Seinfeld, it ended at a, you know, in the prime breaking bad. Those are two of the greatest shows. And I think they both ended, they didn't overstay their welcome. So I think that's good. I don't think, I don't think Seinfeld really hit over it. It's one show I've never really dived into. Oh, really? Oh, that's one of my favorites. It's so good. I think it was on over here, but um, it never really caught on as much as, um, I'm trying to think of some examples, such as like Cheers and Frasier and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Cause some of the they humor, pretty big. M- the, some of that humor might not transfer. No, that's probably what it was. Uh, yeah. Some things are pretty easy for people to take on over here, but so for the most part. Yeah. You're able to watch all that stuff. So you're watching all those shows. You're, you're in love with the movies and then the music. You're obviously a big music fan and you obviously we're going to get into your music career, but I saw this thing that on your Facebook the other day that, I was looking through your, your history. You actually flew 3,000 miles to see Van Halen in Dallas when they reunited. That's crazy. Yeah. That's how big of a fan Twice. you are. Twice, Twice you did that. Van Halen trip. Yeah. Wow. I did it in, um, when was the first one? 2004 on the, um, when Sammy came back. Oh, okay. Um, which was a bit of a car crash tour. Eddie wasn't in the best um, state of mind on oh. that one, but um, it was still a big deal for me. Uh but yeah, I've got a good friend who likes to go on vacation every year and he's not into the hard rock stuff, which I, he likes rock, but more of the alternative kind of thing. Oh, okay. You know, I was a big Van Halen fan. He's like, hey, do you want to go to Florida and see Van Halen? And we can get a holiday at the same time. I'm like, shit, yeah. Yeah, that. that's awesome. Uh, and then, so you guys cool. had Metal Edge there growing up as a kid. Because I, I know that was big. Well, I mean, it was kind of big for the people that like that kind of stuff here in America. But I always wondered, like, some they have different magazines over there. Like, Kerrang, I think, was a big UK one. Yep, correct. The main two when we was growing up was, like, if you was into hard rock, it was yeah. Kerrang and Raw. You had, you guys had oh. Rip. We had Raw. Oh, okay. Some kind of thing. Um, so when you get them... you had your other stuff... Sorry. When you get the metal edge though, is are those the US like are they imports? Do they charge more or is it the same? Exactly the same. They're not okay. easy to come by. I've got some down here. Yeah. This. I saw that you had like the trickster color spectacular. Oh my god. Did <laughs> That's you buy the that? That's on... one I ever found. Oh my god. <laughs> the best of metal edge. And I was in straight away. But I was I've still got some price tags on them, and it was like it was like two pounds ninety-five. So that's like really cheap. It probably works out about the same price as the US one. So there's no real import tax on them or anything, but you yeah. have to find the places which stock them because 
obviously that music wasn't as popular over here anyway. So there oh, wasn't it wasn't demand for. Oh no, huh. nowhere near. Okay. We had. I think you had kind. We had like the big bands were Bon Jovi and obviously Def Leppard, who are a UK band. They were mm-hmm. huge, but all the let's say the second tier bands never really. They had like a bit of a following. Poison could over if they never really toured that much, but uh. if they did like a small tour, they'd sell out. But for most bands, it was kind of club level. Okay, yeah, because I I always thought like at least now it seems like I hear people say rock is bigger over in the UK than the US. It's weird. It's we have so much kind of people like so many different kinds. It depends what you want what you describe as rock. All the big bands, like we said earlier, Def Leppard, Bon yeah. Jovi. They could come over and do arenas, headline festivals and stuff. But all those smaller bands really struggled to get mainstream airplay and all that kind of thing. But if they do a show, like, I mean, because you you were in uh, or you played with a lot of the Nuffs and Nuffs guys. And it seems like there's a lot of connections that I saw in your music resume of like, the you know, the, the lead guitarist, like had a solo thing and he did it over there. So there's enough to like tour. Yeah. But with bands like Enough's Enough, it would always be like, I don't know if you've heard of Rock City in Nottingham. Um, it's like a, they have different rooms in there, which I'm sure you have clubs over there, which yeah. have a big room. Then they have the smaller rooms and stuff like that. Enough's Enough, at their peak, they could have filled the main stage, which would have been about 1,500 people, something like that. Uh, but then for like the past 20 years, that band's on that kind of level. It goes from those tours are so hit and miss. You could go yeah. from a few hundred people one night to 30 people another night, depending on where the Dang. venue is. But I'm sure you've seen that in venues over there. Where oh, for sure. Yeah. People. So what were your favorite bands growing up then? I mean, I think I know some of them, but I'm not real sure what, like, what are your, like, I know Van Halen obviously was a big one. Was there other ones that were really big for you? I used to be into like pop music big time. Oh, really? I, like until I was like, 14, 15, it was all just the mainstream pop stuff. Uh, but then went, I think it was like the Def Leppard Hysteria album was the first big one for me. I was like, holy crap, what is this? And I always say to people, it's like, it was to my ears back then, it's like, this is so heavy, which is ridiculous when you hear it now. Yeah. Because it's not heavy. Right. Back then it's like, this is so heavy, but it's so melodic. It just sounds so great. Just hearing something like that, it just kind of blew my mind. And from then on, I was in, I had a friend of mine. We both love the hysteria album and we just talk about it all the time. And from then it was just finding other bands. Similar. Yeah. Uh, so from then it was like poison Bon Jovi extreme was a big band for us when we was at college. That was kind of a college band. Okay. Yeah. I like them a lot. Follow them all over the country. I've seen them live so many times. Back That's oh, I've never seen them. Are they still together? Like, I don't know. Dude, I'll tell you something. Like I said, they used to be our college band. So every tour, we'd come and see them. Then they can't, I think they went on like what they call like a, I hate us. They didn't I, break yeah. up. They're like, we're going to go and do our own things. And then they came back. It's probably about 10 years ago now. And they did like academy shows. So quite big venues, like 5,000 people. I was listening to a lot of different kinds of stuff at this point. But I thought, oh, Extreme are our, our band. We've got to go and see them just yeah. for old time's sake. They came on first song and I was like, holy crap, this is amazing. They still look as good as they did yeah. playing as well, if not better. So good, man. So if you get a chance to see them, yeah. they will blow your mind. They're still at the top of the game. They're I'd really love fun. to. There was a lot of those bands that I loved as a, as a kid that I, I think we talked about this when I was on your show, how I kind of got into that stuff at the tail end of it. And a lot of those bands did not come to Seattle because Seattle was all about the grunge and they were not about the <laughs> pop metal and stuff. So like a band like extreme. Yeah. I just don't think they even came to Seattle when I, after I had discovered them at past like 92, 93, yeah, and Extreme always had that kind of stigma that they were only known for the one big hit, more than words, which even by hard rock standards, most bands of that time were known by the power ballad, which yeah. is still had like guitar solos and distorted guitars in there, but Extreme had the most simple the acoustics, like James yeah. folk stuff, so you couldn't get much lighter. So I think when people perhaps fell in love with that song. I'm going to go and see extreme and like, what's this? Wasn't I expecting? Yeah. Cause if you listen to their other stuff, I mean, Nuno, the guitar players, he's insane. I mean, he's like kind of like a Van Halen, uh, 
you know, I mean, similar, very similar styles. I, I want to say ripoff because I think he's original in his own right. But I mean, he he could keep up with Eddie for sure, like with the good, oh, with yeah, the he's chops. One of the greatest of all time, man. So yeah. tasteful in his playing and so inventive as well. He's Absolutely, insanely good. Yeah. So he when sold did, his soul to the devil because he still looks exactly the same. He does, right? It's weird. He looks so young. So then, when did you start like playing music? And did you play guitar and do other stuff, or did you just start right on the bass? Because you play bass now mostly. Yeah, I was I was one of those guys who picked up a guitar first. So I okay. was like sixteen. I brought a guitar from a friend of mine. He sold it to me for like I think it was ten pounds, which works out at like fifteen dollars or something. I've got to get rid of this guitar, and it was terrible. And I remember to this day bringing it home and sitting down with it and just like, I have no idea what to do with this. Um, so you get the chord book and figure out some chords. And I think the first thing I learned was the, um, I've said it many times, the acoustic breakdown in Every Rose Has Its Thorn by Poison. Oh, that's a good one. Like, Holy crap. I'm I'm playing the same notes that they're playing on the record. And it just blows your mind. It's the most simplest chords if you're yeah. a guitar player. It's just a G and a C. Uh, but that first time you do it, it is pretty magical, but. Um, I had a bunch of friends who played guitar as well, and I couldn't keep up with them. Every time I'd see a friend of mine, he'd like, oh, I've learned the solo to Don't Cry by Guns N' Roses or something <laughs> like that. And every every day he'd have learned a new solo. I'm like, I can't keep up with this. So even back then, I thought, there's not many bass players about. If I want to be in a band, if I get a bass... There you I'm go. <laughs> that's smart. See, that's what I should get, because I was the same way. I picked up a guitar and I was like, dude, I can't keep up. Like my teacher would like pick it up, pick up. I was like, maybe something's wrong with my guitar. And then my guitar teacher would pick it up and he'd be like, and I was just like, okay, it's not the guitar. It's the player. So I was like, I just don't think I'm going to put some hours in. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just wasn't, I got to a point where I plateaued and I was like, I can't get any better at this. I'm just, I just don't have the talent. I wish I had the talent because I love music, but I think I just like being a fan more than, than playing it. So you got yeah. to play the bass and you're in some bands. And I think one of your first bands was this band. Uh, you ran it for a long time. The teenage casket company. I love who came mm -hmm. up with that name. That is a great, it's so dark, but I really like it. <laughs> it's a strange, it's, it's a name I've never been a fan of, but um, when they suggested it, it was the, um, we had, I'd been playing in bands for probably, when was that be? I'd probably been playing in bands for, best part of 10 years, just local bands, friends and stuff like that. Okay. Gigging around. Um, but, uh, it was this, this weird time around, when would it be 2003, 2004, when rock music, just the word rock was not around at that point. You never even heard people saying it. That really? There's, yeah. Over here. Definitely. Huh. Uh, you, you had like all your new metal and all that kind of thing, but no one, ever said the word rock or rock and roll. It was just so far out of fashion. It was unbelievable, but I still loved it. I was listening to bands like the Goo Goo Dolls and all that kind of stuff, stuff which was kind of in a similar vein, mm -hmm. still melodic hard rock. But um, So I, I needed to find a band which was going to do that. And I met a guy who I'd seen at all the hard rock gigs, which I was going to. I, I recognized that guy. He had long, long hair and all this kind of stuff. So he's into the same stuff as me. And we just hit, hit it off one night talking and he says, I want to form a band, which is like, do you remember All American Rejects? Oh, yeah. 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 I saw them live. They're good. Poppy, yeah, kind of like, pop punk stuff. Yeah. He's like, I want to do something like that. All, Ameri All American Rejects and Sugar Cult and uh, 40 Foot Ringo, which is Steve Brown's band yeah. from Trickster. Just like really power pop kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm all in for this. This is the band I've been looking for. So we got together. He brought in another guitarist. So we had this kind of Goo Goo Dolls kind of thing. We had a hard rock guy singing and playing guitar and we had a punk rock guy singing and playing guitar as well so you had the different vocals oh that's nice and it was jamie the punk rock guy says i've come up with a name teenage casket company i'm like oh that's a bit i'm not sure about that it's dark even at yeah but even at that time i thought if you don't remember the name you'll remember seeing it yeah no so that's not a name you forget i mean it's like i said yeah. it's dark it's like but uh and it stands out, I think, mm -hmm. is the thing. So that was where that came from. Perhaps, I don't know if it suited the music or not, but um, yeah, people remembered it. And yeah, for sure. And then you guys you guys got to, did some cool tours with uh, 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 Stevie Rochelle of Tough. And uh, did you, you supported Vane uh, and uh, LA Guns. Which version of LA Guns was it? Because there's so many different versions of that band. <laughs> uh, Tracy wasn't in the band. Okay. Stacey Blades was in the band. Oh, he's good. Phil was singing. Yeah. Okay. And Steve great. Riley must have been there then at that point. I think, yeah, I think Steve okay. Riley was. I'm wondering if it was, 
Would it have been Adam Hamilton? It might have been, yeah. I had him on the show. He's a great guy. I love that guy. Yeah, so we did a couple of shows with them, and that was a cool time. Even though rock music wasn't that much in fashion, you still had the occasional bands coming over from the States um, doing tours, and the Vane tour was great because that was I think that might have been pretty much all original guys from back in the day, Uh, and they were they were awesome. So, um, yeah, it was really cool to do all that kind of stuff. And it was at a time when rock was out of fashion, but there was like a small core of fans and people who really wanted to bring it back. So people were really enthusiastic about it. So uh, we didn't really fit in. We we always say we was too punk for the rock crowd and too rock for the punk crowd. We never quite fit in anyway. (laughs) That sucks. Well, so then you got to also tour with the Bullet Boys. So explain to me how that came about. Like, how did they find you? And uh, and then tell me what it was like working with Mark Torian, because I had him on the show and he's kind of a character. He's like, seems like a really genuinely nice guy. Like, I don't know. It was, tell me about this. Um, this around similar time. So in the mid 2000s, again, all these tours which came to the UK, I would always go to see them like Enough's Enough, Pretty Boy Floyd and all this kind of thing. But one thing I was noticing, you'd see these three band bills, which had like Pretty Boy Floyd, Bang Tango and somebody else. And I was going to all these gigs and what I was noticing was, it was the original singer, but hired guns playing in the rest of the band. Right. But it would be the same backing band for all the bands, but just the singer would change, huh. which was a bit weird. That is weird. <laughs> so, so you'd have Steve Summers from Pretty Boy for it. Sorry, from Pretty Boy Floyd singing with two guys. Steve Summers would go off. Bang Tango would come on, Joe Lestay would come on, but the, the band would stay the same. Interesting. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, I don't know if they did that in the States. No, I don't think so. Not that I knew of. That's crazy. Which was cool. It was fine. It made total sense. Yeah, because you can't bring the whole over. band over. That's really expensive. Yeah. So um, so I, I I don't know. I think I just had a, a, a light bulb moment. I thought, I'm going to email the booking agent and say, Look, if you ever need a bass player, give me a call. Okay. I'll be available for any UK shows. No reply, nothing. Three months later, I just get an email drop into my inbox. Um, we need a bass player to play for Bullet Boys on a UK European tour with uh, Faster Pussycat and Enough's Enough. Are you in? <laughs> Never heard me play. They didn't know me. What? They want the gig. Yeah. <laughs> That is awesome. <laughs> See seen some photos on MySpace. Oh, he looks cool. Yeah. He's playing bass. It'll be fine. Yeah, he plays. He's got a bass on the picture. Yeah, it's got to be good enough. <laughs> That's amazing. So did were you able to learn the songs? I mean, it went okay. I mean, they didn't fire you, right? So you must have been a... Yeah, it, it, it was awesome. Um, that first Bullet Boys album's a classic. I'll argue that any day. Mm-hmm. Freak Show is just crazily good as well. But yeah, I got the set list, learned all the songs. And uh, turned up first day, no rehearsals. We just had a quick sound check and that was it. <laughs> and you're in. So, and then Mark was happy. So, yeah, like, tell me what it was like working with him. Cause he's, like I said, he's kind of a character, but also seems like a really nice guy. It's great. It's like every time people knew that I'd played with the Bullet Boys, the first question was, how was Mark? How was it? Cause he is, he's larger than life. He's full on. He can buy his own admissions. He can explode at any time. He'll probably admit that to you, but really, I, I got on that. with him. Great. I okay. used to room with him on all the tours and oh. stuff like that. Cause you'd normally get two hotel rooms per band. Hmm. So it'd be me and Mark and then whoever, cause I did three tours with bullet boys and uh, it was a different band every time. <laughs> oh, did, did, wasn't one of them. Did you say one of them was in the U S so they, you flew over for it then or. Uh, yeah, I did. Um, the first one, first tour was in 2007. That was yeah. a UK European tour. 2008, same thing again. Um, and then uh, in 2009, I think it was around March time, they had a US tour. Uh, it was just before the album Ten Cent Billionaire came out. And uh, Lonnie, the original guy, he, he was back on bass. Lonnie Vincent, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which who I think is a phenomenal bass player. I love learning his parts. He's so cool. Um, and I think they did like one or two shows and I think they fired Lonnie. I don't know why. I don't know the reasons. Okay. And I distinctly remember being at work and getting a text message from Rich, the drummer with fired Lonnie. Can you be in the U- U.S. as soon as possible? I'm like, what? 
Okay. <laughs> I got the text on Monday lunchtime and I was flying to the US on Wednesday morning to Minneapolis, I think I flew into. Do they pay crazy. for your flight then or I got it all covered? Yeah. Okay. Nice. Uh, That's really so cool. It all, it all worked out. I mean, I'm one of those people. I'm a fan as well. I So I mean, how come you haven't had Mark on your podcast? You could best ask him that. I've sent him about 50 messages. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh shit, man. Damn. Okay. Hit I up his I think you should help uh hit up their Twitter because that's how I got him on my show. They I they did. responded right away. Yeah, I need to I need to get him on. He's like, oh, he's probably like, oh, I'll do one with Rob next time I see him. Yeah. Like oh, there you go. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. So then you were in this other band. Um, I don't know if people remember this band, Degeneration, but I loved that album they had No Way Out. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if that was the song or the I know the song was called No Way Out. I don't know if that was album was called that too, but it had the picture of like the lunchbox. And so yeah. you got to tour with him, the uh, Richard, what's his name? Richard Bacchus? Bacchus? Yeah, Richard Bacchus. Yeah. Richard Bacchus, he's like the guitar player. No, singer. He was a singer of that band, right? Uh, he was a guitar player. Yeah. Guitar player. Okay. So you got yeah. to do like a, a, did he do that song, No Way Out? Because I love that song. Uh, did we do that one? I don't know if we did that one or not. Really? I feel like that's like their biggest hit when he was in Degeneration. Capital Offender was the big one for us. I don't oh, know if you know that okay. song going on. That's, that's a great song. Uh, and obviously uh, Degenerated um, as well. But um, Yeah, that was cool. Because again, going back to Teenage Casket Company, my old band, Degeneration was one of the big bands for all of us, which we all kind of oh, okay. met on. Like, oh, we all agree this is awesome. That must be a bigger, they must have been bigger in the UK. Because I really liked them, but I don't think they really hit it in the States. Yeah, I mean Jesse Malin does great over here, the singer on his okay. solo stuff. He smashes it over here. But um we covered a degeneration song on our EP. We covered the song Hatred. Mm. Um, which used to do at all our gigs and stuff like that. And Jamie, he got in touch with Richard Backus at some point. Um and Richard, who's originally from the UK, strangely enough, um, he's like, Oh, I'm gonna come over and do some shows. Do you want to put a band together for us? And we're like, We'll do that. <laughs> okay. So, um, there's nice. me, uh, Jamie on guitar. Obviously, Richard played guitar as well. Um, and we had a guy called Nick on drums. And yeah, we did like a two-week tour all over the UK. It was a tough tour, um, but it was one of those tours where you don't realize how much fun you're having at the time. But um, it was it was a tough one. Not that- It's a tough one because fans aren't showing up or getting along with the band or... Uh, not the greatest crowds, just strange venues and stuff like that. Oh, okay. A lot of- we did a lot of miles on that tour and uh, oh. yeah, it was great. We had a lot of fun. It was really, really good. Okay. And then, yeah. What about this band? You're in another band called the black Mollies, which is a band mm-hmm. with a, a tour. What's his name? Story, Tori Stoffrigan, Stoffrigan. That's right. From yeah, enough's Tori enough, Stoffrigan. this band here. And, um, you, and you, it does, it's you said that it sounded in the vein of lit and Everclear, And I listened to it and I was like the first song, I was like, Oh my God, this totally reminds me of lit. And I thought you guys yeah. were, I thought that band was really talented. It, what it just, didn't make it for whatever reason or whatever. Cause that uh, seemed like it could have been big. Yeah. I mean that some of the stuff was that, I mean, I never recorded with them. I was just like a touring guy for the tours. Which oh, okay. I did. But um, again, that's all it's how everything's so incestual with all this kind of whole scene. I did that first bullet boys tour. Um, and in enough's enough, the drummer was a guy called Randy Scott. Um, and we got on great. Um, and after that tour finished, he's like, Oh, I'm, I've got a buddy of mine called Tori he plays in a band called the black mollies. Uh, we're thinking of coming to the UK. Would you be interested in playing bass? I'm like, listen to the stuff. And I was all in. Cause nice. I, was, I love lit. I love ever. Yeah. So that kind of ticked all the boxes for that. So again, it was just a three piece band. Those Tori and Randy flew to the UK. I play bass. Um, and we did three tours, I think with the black mollies. Um, and now Tori did a tour with the bullet boys. He joined them. Now he's in enough's enough. Yeah, it's all it's all connected. That's crazy. So, th- and this is another interesting one that you did. Like you've done so many bands, but this band Let Loose, who I've never heard of even. But I looked them up and I was like, "Holy shit!" These guys had they had a bunch of hits, but one of their hits, I mean, it was actually the, the number two song in the UK, and they never even had one song chart in the US. That's cr- yeah. like, why do you think that is? What it seems like that happens more frequently than you'd think. I don't know why. I guess I guess it depends what record label they signed to, yeah, and whether that label's got any push in the states. Because for a UK band to break the states is just there's not many that can do it. It's it's really tough. Uh, back especially back around that day, eighties and nineties, a band used to have to go to the states, really? and literally tour for 
But you think if it was, it's the number two song in the UK, it would have at least hit the top 40 in the US. Like, that's crazy yeah. that it didn't, they had, did not have one song make a hit in the US. That's really interesting. But they had to work hard with it in the UK. I think yeah. um, by the time, it, it was a song called Crazy For You in 1994. And I think by the time it kind of got the peak of its success, I think that was its third release. It had been released oh, three times. Okay. And just never, never caught on. Then all of a sudden, uh, and again, up. this is a weird time. It's like I was—I just finished college, um, loving all the hard rock stuff, mm-hmm. like Danger Danger and Poison, and that's so out of fashion at that point. So I'm right. like grabbing for something which is similar—not well, not similar, but just a, a melodic rock song. All of a sudden, this song called "Crazy Few" comes on the charts. I'm like, "What's this?" It's like Duran Duran. It's like Nick Kershaw. It's just like great pop music, and there's a guitar solo in it, and some lead guitar parts. I was all in on that one. So I was a fan back then. Oh, okay. Around a similar time as the bullet boys stuff, 2007, I got in touch with the singer, tracked him down, did a bit of Rob Lane stalking online on my nice. to find out <laughs> what he was up to. Um, and I saw he was after a bass player for this solo stuff he was doing. Um, Perfect. So offered my services for that. Then a year or so later, he was like, Oh, I'm going to get together with Lee, the original drummer from, let loose do you want to be part of this reunion i'm like shit yeah was that a pretty big that. tour then are those guys pretty big over there even at that point it was we kind we never toured but um we did all like road shows and stuff like that. i don't okay. know if you guys have road shows in the states what do you mean road probably, shows probably sort of like um uh, trying to think of an equivalent probably like a state fair on a much smaller level oh okay yeah 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 mm-hmm. sure um, so you, we did a few of those with like a few other pop acts from back in the day. And um, we just did a few small headline shows, hmm. which were amazing. Their fan base from back in the day still oh. uh, sticks around and they were so excited about it. But fortunately it just kind of didn't really get the legs. I'd have liked it to have done. We, we recorded a brand new album. So I got to play bass on that, which was a really cool deal. And Richie's an amazing songwriter. Uh, if anyone's wants to check out the let loose stuff, uh, yeah. I like just, it's just, it's always interesting to hear a song that was so big in one part of the, I mean, I get it if it's like a different language, but it's, they're speaking English. So you'd think that that would have translated to the U S that's always interesting. Yeah. I think that's the same though. There's a lot of, um, us songs which, are so mainstream to you guys and no one's ever heard them. Yeah. Well, and then like, okay. what's that guy's name? Uh, Robbie Williams. Isn't he like a big over there? He's like a one hit wonder here. I think he's got like one song over here. Robbie Williams is like, could do a stadium. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I think he has like one hit over here. It's bizarre. Yeah. Uh, And again, that's because the States, I think he, Robbie tried for a while. I think he's tried a few times um, to crack the States, but I don't know if it's still the same over there with streaming and stuff. Perhaps it's easy. I mean, well, I don't want to say it's easier now, but um, there's a lot more chance for a song to hit over there with, viral streaming and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's true. It's just kind of the best stuff gets hits and you get on these yeah. playlists or whatever. That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think Robbie tried a few times uh, <clears throat> to break the States just through touring and visiting all the radio stations and whether his sense of humor, whether he was too British. Hmm. I think you can be too British sometimes. That's a thing. So. How can you be too British? What does that mean? I don't know. He's got very, a lot of Robbie's lyrics and stuff. They're very British in the humor. Okay. Uh, so if it doesn't translate, doesn't translate. All right. Fair enough. I think there's that kind of thing. What about, uh, so you toured with Johnny Monaco, who, which I, people don't know that is that was a guitar player for again, this band enough's enough. I didn't know he had like a solo career and he actually does your theme music for the podcast. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Did you guys Johnny's do enough's enough songs in the, um, set? Actually we didn't. We didn't really No, no enough's enough songs. It was all uh, solo stuff and some, uh, cover songs as well. I'm trying to think what cover songs we did. We did some Cars songs, Queen, Thin Lizzy, um, and then the rest of it was Johnny's stuff. I, I think it was it was Johnny just kind of right. This is what I'm doing now. Okay, uh, which was I, I understood that that was fine. I mean, he didn't write the Enough's Enough hits. He mm-hmm. joined in the uh, mid to late '90s. So Johnny was probably thinking, why play songs? I didn't write. Yeah, no, that, yeah, that makes sense. I thought, cause I thought, wasn't he singing for enough enough at one point too? Or, okay. Yeah. He originally joined as the guitar player. 
That makes sense. And then, then when Donny left, uh, Monaco took over lead vocals, and he's done that a couple of times now. He does a phenomenal job yeah. at it as well. Uh, so that that tour was cool. We did. We used a lot of backing tracks, which I've never done before. Oh, yeah. What's so? What's your me. thought on that? Do you think that that's okay, or do you think that's like? not being keeping it real or because like eddie uh, trunk i don't know if you know who that is but he's like he's a big uh you know rock guy down here and he always he, he talks about how much he loathes backing tracks he wants he thinks bands should be 100 percent live yeah i don't know about 100 percent live i mean if if you can't afford to bring a keyboard player out on tour with you yeah that's tough keyboards on tape um uh, i think some back some bands do go over the top on it. Um, I think we struggled with it on that tour because there was a lot of backing vocals and it was another mm. case of Johnny flew in. We only had a short amount of rehearsals, so wasn't really sure 100% of what was going off. So perhaps sometimes I wasn't singing and you was hearing all these big backing vocals. Um, so that's when it doesn't work so much. But I don't know. I think I think there's a nice middle ground. Yeah. You have a good point. Yeah. I think even Eddie Trunk says like, I get it. If there's like a keyboard part and you don't have a keyboard player, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But he's like, when it's like every track is a backing track, it's it like takes away from a lot I think of the you can stuff. Have a few subtleties. And, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, okay. If, you, if you've got three guys on stage and none of them singing at the microphone, you've just got all these massive vocals <laughs> coming over the PA. That's like, it's a little suspicious. A <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then you're in this band, uh, people on vacation, which has the, the singer of, is it the singer? A bowling for soup. Mm-hmm. So then you guys, they had to have done bowling for soup songs, right? Cause they have, those guys have a lot of hits. Yeah, we did. We did one bowling for soup song. The That's bitch it. Song. Which yeah. one? The bitch song. The bitch. Wait, which one's that? Uh, Is that a hit? Um, it's off. It, I think it did pretty. I think it was the kind of first minor breakthrough hit. I don't know how much bowling uh, okay. soup stuff you're familiar with. Yeah, I mean, I know. I feel like they had a handful of like pretty big songs. Like, I can't remember the names of them, but I know that they were they were pretty big. Like, what's the one? that's like Springsteen, Madonna, right before Nirvana. That whole thing. That, oh, nineteen eighty five. Yeah, nineteen eighty five. That was a big one. And you yeah. guys didn't play it's that live, huh? Though. Yeah, yeah, that was huge. No, uh, but that the Beach song was probably about two albums before then. That was kind of the one that got them on the radar and really became a big touring band. Um, so we did that one, which was cool, but, uh, yeah, that, I love that band. I was gutted when that band, uh, broke up after two albums. That was, oh, but so that then you, cause that was a really original band. Yeah. But so then you met Ryan Hamilton and that's the band that you're in now. And, uh, I listened to some of this, uh, or I listened to a lot of his, uh, music and it's really good stuff. Very pop, uh, very poppy kind of rock kind of like gin blossoms and i think you guys toured with roger klein and i I almost i see that as a good fix i'm like i feel like these two bands would sound good together and um i was curious though so you did you did the music video that was shot here in arizona did you guys and you guys are wearing suits up on this mountain did you hike up in the mountains in suits or did you change when you got up there yeah um no we was wearing suits by the time we got there we just parked in like the parking lot okay of the mountains fully suited up then had to walk all the way up into the mountains wearing the suits that was a killer dude oh that sounds <laughs> rough dang dude. yeah because like it gets so hot long sleeves and how long is that uh photo shoot or video shoot then yeah. we're in the suit was it long uh we didn't mess around we we didn't mess around we did it in probably only about two or three hours something like that so um it was proper guerrilla style, get in there, get it done. Uh, but Ryan had a pretty good idea of what he wanted. Um, we did this really cool thing where uh, if you, if you watch the video, it's for a song called, this is the sound. Yeah. Um, it's really good. And it's almost in slow motion, but, the, but the vocals obviously normal. And what you have to do is um, you play the song back at a high speed. So Ryan was kind of technically singing it super fast. Oh. And when you come to the editing, you run it at normal speed and it slows everything down. So whilst the song's playing at the right time, everything else is moving slightly slow and it's a really cool trick and it works really well. So okay, that was kind of cool to do. So the stuff where Ryan's walking along and singing, I'm actually in front of him with the camera on my shoulder. I was the one filming that. Oh. It's proper DIY filmmaking that was it totally sounds so yeah you guys didn't have a permit or anything like that you're just like kind of like just going up there and shooting it and making this video 
should we add a permit? <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder about stuff like that. Like, yeah, like I guess because if you're a bigger budget, I mean, I guess someone's going to come and stop you. But if it's something like that, I guess they just don't care. Yeah. We just had a few walkers walking by asking us what we would uh, yeah because you're wearing suits on the desert they're like what the fuck's going on here yeah that's crazy so then jet boy tell me about that one like that's kind of cool you got a last minute call to play for them and then i don't know do you know the story of their original bass player it's kind of a crazy story yeah that whole jet boy story is not set i was never a big fan i always knew of them because i know they're one of those original bands from back in the day with like your guns and roses fast it always used to be guns and roses faster pussycat and jet boy they used to be the three names of like that original like sunset strip scene so i knew of them um and yeah their whole story is crazy um uh, losing the bass player i think they like got dropped like once or twice before the first album came out they just kind of suffered all this kind of yeah the backlash the, the bass player actually walls uh, which they had to try and yeah because I'm, I'm told the base the original bass player he died in a drug overdose in Slash's hotel room. I remember hearing about that too, because I, I think, weren't they like good friends or something? It was very bizarre. Really sad. Yeah. I think those bands are like, they're kind of like, they were like best mates. Those two bands used to hang out and stuff like that. That's so crazy. uh, That makes you wonder like what jet boy bass player. Yeah. He was like, he was like full on partying mode. Um, and I think they tried to get him cleaned up because they're getting all these record company meetings like, oh, you need to pull yourself together and all this kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, he, I, whether he was too far down the line and I think they tried to put him in rehab and all this kind of Ugh. stuff. And uh, yeah, ended up, he OD'd in like with slashing either in a dressing room or a hotel room or something like that. And I think that kind of caused a bit of a rift between Jet Boy and Guns N' Roses. I think Guns N' Roses were like, oh, you, you should have stuck by your friend and jet boy were like look we're trying to get him help yeah so yeah i don't know the full story i know the jet boy guys are yeah find it all really tough and yeah it's crazy ass stuff like that it's nuts man yeah that's crazy so, yeah that um that was cool for me to do um again that it's weird how things work out i did my first bullet boys tour in 2007 with faster pussycat and the version of Fast Puskat. It was a great lineup. It was they brought a few of the original guys back. Brent Muscat was there, um, and Eric Stacy was playing bass, and we hit tough, great. Um, kind of stayed loosely in touch over Facebook and things like that. Um, and then Eric joined Jetboy, um, and then a week before this Jetboy tour was like arranging to meet up at this gig, and all oh, it's going to be great to see you after all these years. A week before. He messages me. He's like, dude, I can't do this tour. I think he had like some hernia or something or he'd had an operation or something like that. Oh, geez. Can you, can you do the tour for me? I'm like, shit, I've learned songs in like three weeks before, but you're giving me like three dates. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> to learn stuff I've never heard before. I knew feel the shake and that was about it. Uh, so, um, but yeah, it was great. I knuckled down and got the songs done and that band are awesome. That's cool. And then you toured with uh, Ryan Roxy. Again, I didn't know a lot of these guys had these like solo projects, but I know he does like a solo podcast and he's the uh, guitarist for Alice Cooper for those who don't know. But um, how close are you with him? Because you had him on your show, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've been trying to get him on my show for like two years. Like what? Yeah. I keep reaching out. He's like, oh, send me an email. And I send him an email. I don't hear. I'm like, damn it. Like what? He's just a busy guy. I think I'll put a word in for you, sir. Mm. to get on here but yeah me and ryan have known each other since i used to do a, a magazine called trash pit uh, yeah which was kind of my way of i've always loved like fanzines and stuff like that and i used to do one for like local unsigned bands in the area and then again everything for me kind of happened around like the early 2000s i was like where are all my favorite bands these days? Where's what are Danger Danger up to? No one's interviewing Danger Danger. No one's interviewing Steve Brown from Trickster. I want to know what he's doing. Yeah. So I thought, shit, I'm going to make my own magazine and track these guys down. And this is like in the early days of MySpace and stuff. And uh, so, yeah, that's what I did. I started interviewing all these bands. Um, and one of them was, um, I'd seen Ryan Roxy at all these Alice Cooper gigs. Um, uh, Cause I, I'd become a big fan of Alice Cooper. Yeah. How do you know, do you know Alice Cooper? Cause I, I think no. that you're like friends with him on Facebook or something. Am I crazy? 
uh, unless I caught him in the very early days of Facebook. Oh, maybe there, that's but, what it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the Alice Cooper connection like stems way back to when I first started playing bass. He had a guy called Todd Jensen playing bass for him, um, who used to be in a band called Hardline. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, with Johnny yeah. and Joey. Uh, oh yes, Jolly or I don't know. I never knew how to say their last names, but I like the yeah. band. Yeah, yeah, that was like a, a huge album for me, Double Eclipse. Mm-hmm. Um, and Todd Jensen played bass on that, and he was another. He was one of the reasons, other than me thinking that playing bass to get me into a band easy. I always thought he was one of the coolest bass players around. Um, so he, he was originally David Lee Roth and he did Hardline. Then he went on to join Alice Cooper. Um, so oh, I want to go and see Todd Jensen, at Alice Cooper gigs. So I went down and then there's this other guy playing guitar. I was like, who's he? He's pretty cool. Find out yeah. it's Ryan Roxy. So when I'm doing trash pit, Sorry if I'm jumping for all these. No, days. no, I, t- I, I love this is great. Yeah, Ryan Roxy's. <laughs> I mean, I've been a fan of him since uh, Gilby Clark. So, oh wow, cool. So it's like I need to interview Ryan Roxy, and this is like before, obviously before Zoom and all this kind of right. stuff. So you had two ways of doing interviews: you either went to a gig with a little tape recorder, oh. and recorded him, or you just sent some questions over email. Oh. The only way I could interview Ryan Roxy was just send him some questions. Okay. To be honest. Nine out of 10 email questionnaires, which you do, they came out rubbish because these guys would just give you like a single line answer. Yeah, because they don't want to type a bunch of, that's a lot of work. Which is the worst. I thought, well, well, it's my only option to interview Ryan Roxy, so I'll send it to him. This came back with like the best answers to questions I'd ever seen. I was like, holy crap. This was originally just going to be a one-page interview in my magazine this shock is going on the cover this is so good <laughs> wow so um i made him the cover the cover star of trash fit magazine um and took him a copy down to the next alice cooper show and we kind of just stayed in contact since then that's and, awesome uh, yeah all these years later fast forward 15 years or so oh we need a bass player for some uk shows do you want to do it yep I'll do that. <laughs> so then what is his solo stuff? Is it, does he do Alice Cooper songs or does he just do his own solo stuff or. We did a couple of Alice Cooper songs. Uh, obviously we did schools out. Okay. Uh, at the end, but right. If you dive into Ryan's discography, it's insane, man. He's, he's got so many different bands. I, his first solo stuff I got to know was Dad's Porno Mag. I don't know if you've That's heard right. That. Yeah, I've heard of that. I haven't. Now I could probably check it out. It's probably on YouTube or Spotify. That's one thing yeah. I like about all this stuff. It's on. But what about yourself? Like, how come? How come you don't have a Wikipedia page? Because I see your name listed on all these bands that you. You know, you sent me this resume, and I was like, okay, I got to look all these bands up. And I'm like, and you've gone like Bullet Boys Wikipedia and stuff like Rob Lane, Rob Lane. But it's like you don't. It doesn't Bullet click Boy to anything. Six, Bullet Boy 69 or something like that. I'm like way down the list. Yeah, but it's like still like you should, it should be able to click so it's all together. So it's all on a Wikipedia page. You got to get that set I, up I for you. I don't think you're allowed to set up your own Wikipedia page. Well, shit, maybe I'll do it for you then if I can figure out how to do it. Like, But yeah, because I feel like you're in all these bands and there's all these connections. And that's what I love about the internet and the Wikipedia is like you... You find this guy, like, who's this guy? And then you're like, wait, this guy was in this band and that band. And and like, and, you, and you're in all these bands with all these connections. I feel like you should uh, have the Wikipedia page. That'd so. be nice. It's a bit, it's like the Twitter blue tick or something like kinda, that. Kind <laughs> of. Yeah, kind of. That's almost more, oh, I don't know. It seems like maybe, might be less actually in some ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then you started your podcast. It was it start, originally started out as a way to play songs from movie soundtracks, which I love. Cause like, I think you and I have a lot of the same uh, movie tastes. So now it's evolved into this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we, originally straight to video because, as we've spoke about, I've played in a lot of bands, but I've never been a songwriter. Uh, I always say I used to, when you're a kid at college and first learned the guitar, you wrote a few songs and mm-hmm. tried some lyrics and stuff like that. But I've never really pursued it, and I've always said I've been even from my very early bands with just school friends and stuff like that. I've always considered myself to be super lucky to play in bands with good songwriters i've always thought oh that guy can write a good song that guy can write a good song so i'm like i've never really had the inclination to do it so um so you're just gonna okay so you just you like kind of being like what would you call like a hired gun i'm more than happy to be a hired gun all my (laughs) all my heroes are hired guns going right back to todd jensen from hardline to ryan roxy they're all the hired guns they're the guys i always looked up to and 
admired and thought rather than the front man, I'm like, who's that guy over there? He's cool. He's doing some cool stuff. I like him. So, um, but I always wanted to do my own, if you say like solo album or something Mm -hmm. like that. And, um, the original thing was to put like a cover band together, just playing movie soundtracks. I always thought that'd be cool, but we could never, as you find, as you get older, you realize how hard it is to set up a band. It's so hard as you hit your theaters everybody's getting families and oh, I can't practice that night. I can't uh-huh. do this night. So you realize how lucky you was when you was like 18 years old and all you wanted to do was practice. Um, but I was just speaking to a friend of mine, uh, a guy called Casey Duggan, who plays in a cool band called the idle dead. One time at a show He's like, Oh, what's happening with this straight to video thing. I've heard you talking about. I'm like, dude, I can't get a band together. And I think he said, he was like, mate, you know, everybody just do it as a recording thing. Just get all different uh-huh. singers in and, just do it like that. I was like, light bulb. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, straight to video became this recording project where I'd pick eighties and nineties movie soundtrack songs and just get all my music friends to play on them. I get people to send stuff in from the U S or come to the studio and lay some tracks down. So we did an EP an album. Um, and then I've just been kind of dabbling, do a Halloween song every year or something like that. Um, and I've, I've always wanted to do a podcast, mate. It's going. So I thought, why not give it a shot and tie it all in together? Talk about people's growing up and yeah. what they're into favorite films. And no, thanks great. to, thanks to COVID lockdown. It gave me a bit of time to concentrate on it. And right. all the technology. <laughs> yeah. So you've had some really cool uh, people on your podcast, Roger Klein from who's like, he's like a God here in Arizona. Um, the Michael star steel Panther episode. That was one of my favorites. You interviewed a, Emily Valentine from 90210. That's yeah, kind of cool. And then cool. The, the I just listened to this one today. The Duke's a Hazard guy, John Schneider. That uh, is he is he Bo Duke? He's Bo, right? I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a huge one. So what was what's your most popular interview that you've done? You think? I mean, you should be able to tell from the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. It's a weird one because you won't have any idea what I'm talking about. Really? But it, yeah, it's and it took me by surprise. Um, there was a band over here back in the. <clears throat> 70s i think called shawadi wadi now i'll be impressed if you've heard of them no never heard of them <laughs> they were like their biggest hits were all cover songs of like old 50s and 60s songs and they did like revamped versions in the 70s okay and this band this band were massive i i was never i was too young but they used to play an all like we used to have a show called top of the pops over here which was like I'm trying to think what the equivalent to be in the states but where you'd see bands actually playing live. So this is your chance to see him playing on a stage. Um, and Shawadi Wadi was huge. And it turns out the drummer from Shawadi Wadi, he runs a club, which is like three miles down the road from where I live. And he's the biggest character you can get, Malk. Malk okay. Alurad, his name is. Um, and who I've known for, I don't know, 15 years or something like that. We had our wedding reception at his club and all this kind of stuff. And the drummer, my drummer friend, Mickey Richards, who I've played in People on Vacation with, Johnny Monaco, he's been my go-to guy for drummers. He's known Malk even longer than I've known him. He's like, you know what you should do? You should get Malk on your podcast. He's got some stories. So I'm like, oh, that's actually a pretty good idea. So I, I go up the road five miles to interview Malk, and he's telling me all these stories about meeting George Harrison from the Beatles and Dang. all this kind of stuff. This guy can talk for days. So, oh, this is great. This is a really fun episode. I'll put it out there, posted it on the Shwadi Wadi fan page. That thing got more listens in the first day than the next popular episode below it. Wow. Yeah. So I'm not and, number one is what you're saying. Is, is that not number okay. one? I'm sorry. So. I'm sorry to hear that. No, that's <laughs> crazy. It's still the most popular episode by that's crazy. It's got twice as many listeners. Wait, wait, so wait, tell me the band's name again. Shawadi Wadi. What the hell does that even mean? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's fun. Listen, I'll have yeah. to listen to that episode then. I think that's, I don't think I've listened to that one. I've listened to a lot of your episodes though. Like I love, and I love you just, you're very just, you know, focused and you just move along and the episode just goes and you don't go too long. Like, like I'm probably going too long right now because I'm having so much fun. A but lot of editing. Yeah, a lot no, of you edit it and it's, it sounds great. <laughs> so, um, do you ever get like trolls from either as a musician or a podcaster that do people ever troll your page? Hand on heart. I've never really had 
any online abuse wow. or anything in I don't know. Cause you're so nice. Like you're so, you're so nice to me. And I'm like, I don't know why this guy's so nice to me. Like I, I love it. I'm not complaining, but I'm like, you're like just so nice. You always like, like my stuff and comment and like saying that something nice. And I'm like, what's, this guy's what's like so nice. Option? Do you, do you get trolled? I get trolled a little bit. Yeah. A little bit here and what? there. Yeah. But I get some really nice comments too. So, I mean, I, and I don't know, like how are you getting along pretty well with the other podcasters? Cause I feel like in terms of the other podcasters, everyone I've encountered, most everyone has been like really cool. Like even the, the bigger guys will reach out to me and they'll be like, they'll offer me guests and like publicity, uh, people. They're like, Hey, do you want to like, you should uh, talk to this publicist. They can get you this person or that person. I'm like, why are you reaching? Like, why are you reaching out to me? I didn't like, I, you reach out to me to offer me a guest that's like really that's big. Awesome. And they're like, yeah, I just like to help you. Like, do you get a lot of that too? Um, I've not had many people kind of, I've had quite a few PR people get in touch and stuff mm-hmm. like that it's slowly building up and all that kind of thing but um i, I don't know i'm pretty picky out who i have on my show are you really <laughs> then how the hell did i get on there because <laughs> i like your show oh thanks uh, man a good storyteller yeah uh, but we've discussed it before it's hard when you want to put together like maybe like an hour-long show if it's a newer band as much as you want to give newer bands exposure it's hard to construct an interview yeah. When there's not that much history. Right. Uh, yeah. I try to tell people that too. I try to tell them, I'm like, if somebody reaches out to me and I'm like, look, uh, you know, you I like the one song that you have or whatever, but I don't know if I can do a whole, and, and I, and I actually, I have done it before with like true villains. I think they only had like two songs and I was like, yeah. but I just liked it so much that I was like, I feel like I got to have you got have you on. Also the singer was on American Idol. So there was, you know, there was a story there or whatever, but yeah, sometimes it's like, if they only have a couple songs, or even if they have a couple albums, but if there's just, you know, if they haven't toured or like there's no story, it's, it's hard to construct a whole interview. And that's, that's no slight on the band. It's just right. within, within the format of your podcast mm-hmm. and my podcast as well, right. especially with yours, you do like the whole time frame. You got to start from the beginning right up to modern day. So um, it, it, it's weird. It's tough. Cause I mean, yeah, I, if I hear a song from a band, I'd love to give it, exposure and stuff like that post the video somewhere Mm -hmm. or something like that Uh, but when the within the format of a podcast what you're trying to do your podcast is themed at giving an overview of somebody's career or whatever Mm -hmm. so um yeah it's tough it is there's been a few bands there's a band called um i I don't know if you listen to the episode um on my podcast a band called mercy music Mm -mm. one of my favorite bands from the last um, three or four years and they're great they're not that well known but Again, on this one, though, they are a new band, but I looked into a bit of the history and there is quite a bit of cool history there. So mm. I was like, oh, I can put something together with this. We can have, yeah. present a bit of a story, if you like, which I think is what you need to do within the podcast format. Yeah. So who's left on your bucket list, like bands that you want to play with, play in or tour with? And, and who's on your top bucket list for your guests on your show? That's a good question with the bands. Uh, yeah, because you played with so many already. There's so many great yeah. people. I think I'm at a point now with music. I'm just happy to, this is just me like fanboying just to play with anybody who I was a fan of is yeah. such a big deal for me. It's such a rush. It's, it, it's so cool to be able to, cause I like with the bullet boys, for example, I am a fan of that band as much as bands from that genre and everything they do get, looked down on by a lot of people which i think is unfair because mm-hmm. it's great it's great music to me I, I love it it's the music that made me want to be in a band so um yeah so for me to get to do that is awesome so f- any anybody from that kind of era i'm more than happy to play bass for so uh, you should play with alice cooper since you know ryan roxy and you played with him he should like put in a word for you I- I know Chuck Garrick's got, he can do the shit off. He's got the abs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That guy's a, a demon. <laughs> he is pretty good. Yeah. I had their, uh, his other band, Bisto Blanco. I had their, uh, um, I, I guess she's kind of like the co-singer kind of Calico Cooper, yeah. his daughter, Alice Cooper's daughter. I had her on. That was a, that was fun. You should maybe look at having her on. She's a great guest. I'm a big fan of Chuck. He's, he's a cool dude. Have he's you had him on your interviews. show? No, I've never had him. On. I know Ryan spoke to him a few times on, isn't he? Uh, it might be somebody I could reach out to and uh, have a word with. But, like, is there anyone yeah. that you're putting uh, feelers out for messages to that you've been trying to, trying to get on your show or you just, do you not want to say? 
Yeah, Mark Torian from the Bloody <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, how did I get him? And I don't, I didn't know him at all. And you actually played with him on two tours or three tours. And he, what the hell? Maybe I just had good time. I think when the time I reached out, he hadn't done an interview in a long time. And I, I think they were excited. And then after that interview, that interview blew up because I don't know if you know the story. Like he, he said that he talked about how he auditioned for Motley Crue. And so that, that interview, that's like one of my most popular episodes yeah. ever because of that story. I think everyone wanted to hear that. And some people questioned the validity. And I was like, look, I didn't say that it had like, th- this is just coming from Mark's story. I don't, I don't know the whole story. I don't know if it's fact or not, but that's his side of the story. So I, I love Mark's story. And I, I think I've said to Mark before, like, you should write a book, dude, or I'll write a book with you. Cause mm-hmm. I think his story is, um, it's quite different to most of the other people from that kind of era. A lot of them was like, I want to be a rock star. I'm going to move from, I don't know, Pennsylvania to Hollywood and live in a van and all that kind of, that was most of the people's story from that right. kind of era. Whereas Mark, he grew up just outside of Hollywood. His dad was like a, like, I think he's like a trumpet player and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So Mark used to go to all his yep. shows That's and all right. that kind of thing. And, Mark was signed to Motown records and all that. Yes, that's right. You know, your history. Cool journey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You listen to my episode with him. You can, you can get a lot of the, even more of the history too, but yeah, you should definitely have him on. We'll have to make that happen. Yeah. I'll get him on. Yeah, for sure. Well, this has been a lot of fun. So um, hopefully we'll see each other again, uh, maybe either in person or on another podcast or maybe at a concert. If you tour here, that would be, I'd love to just come and hang out in Arizona. Yeah. For I sure, dude. Come and crash ago. on my couch if you don't mind cats. Like, yeah, I got a couple yeah, cats, that's but fine. that's awesome. Yeah, it'd be cool. Like, didn't you say you did do a show down here at one point? Yeah, we did two shows in uh, Arizona. Uh, did you say it was at the awesome. Van Buren? Yeah. Okay. I've never been to that venue yet. It was amazing. Yeah. Didn't okay. you have a picture took outside of it recently? Yeah, because we Smith went thing. we went there for the Kevin Smith thing. Yeah, that's where I guess I have been there technically now because we, uh, we went, but it was like we didn't go into the like stage part. It was just kind of like the, yeah, it was kind of a, not as fun as some of the other of those uh, pop-up restaurants, but yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, we had such a great time. I mean, I, I said, um, said I've been lucky enough to play in bands with great songwriters, but I've also been lucky enough to tour with bands with the most amazing fan bases from the wild arts fan base. We toured with them. We toured with a band called the alarm. Uh, who were, their fan base is great, but Roger Klein and the peacemakers, their fan base again, they, they're up there. Dude. They're like insane. Say, he's dude. A God in yeah. Arizona. Yeah. We have friends that they'll, they'll, they'll go anywhere that Roger Klein plays Mexico, Vegas, California. Like they'll make a trip to go follow him. I mean, these people fall. It's like their life. Like they almost, it's kind of like grateful dead almost. It's crazy, Yeah. but awesome. Well, I do like to end with a charity. You said that, um, Explain to me this blind dog rescue. Is there that many blind dogs that they need to rescue for it? I think it's because um, like blind dog, any any kind of dog with like a three-legged dog okay. or something like that. It's, it's kind of, oh, they're the last one to be chosen from the kennels and all that oh. kind of thing. Uh, but it's, um, yeah, I've been doing some fundraising for Blind Dog Rescue UK um, who kind of try and help and save um blind dogs and partly sighted dogs throughout not just the uk but europe as well and try and find them forever homes and all that kind of thing so yeah oh cool uh, if anyone wants to check out um bdruk.org uh, you can find out a little bit more about that okay cool i'll put that in the notes along with your uh, website and your straight to video podcast links and the ryan hamilton does he have a website He's got to have Ryan a website. Music.com, yeah, I'll yeah. put that on there. You're still in that band technically, right? That's your... Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a bit weird year for everybody. Sure. Wise, and with Ryan living in Texas and stuff like that. So he's been doing some solo stuff. But um, hopefully when he gets, when we can come to each other's countries again. Okay. Figure some live shows out. Yeah, so you guys would tour the US then. You would come to Arizona and... Yeah. And if, that one. If, if touring opportunities arise. But with like the whole people on vacation thing, which we did with Ryan majority of his fan base is concentrated over here because um, things kind of blew up a little bit. So um, it's this is where his touring opportunities lie. Okay. Well, cool. Well, hopefully uh, we can uh, see a show down here. That'd be cool to see, like I said. Or if you, again, if you just want to come hang out, that's cool too. Awesome, man. All right. Well, thanks, Rob. I'll, t- I'll catch you on Chuck, the flip it's been side. It's a pleasure, dude. Yeah. Thanks ever so much. All right. Bye-bye. So glad I got to do this episode. It really means a lot to me that Rob is so kind to me. Uh, I really think we need more people like him in the world. He's just such a nice guy. 
and a great supporter of my show. I love him and his podcast and all his music. You got to check out Ryan Hamilton. This is a very underrated musical group. I, I would love to see them in concert, especially paired with Roger Klein. Uh, they toured with him before. I think that would be an amazing show. So make sure to follow Rob on social media to keep up with his podcast and his band. And while you're on there, uh, give me a follow to keep up with my show and my adventures. And it's funny, I wrote Rob a really nice review for his podcast on iTunes and he couldn't see it. And we think it's because of the difference in countries, which is really a shame. So if you have the time, give Rob's podcast a nice five-star review on iTunes. He really does a great job. Um, or do something else nice for somebody. Uh, I'm all about spreading that love. Don't be spreading no hate. We got enough of that going around. Okay, so have a great rest of your day. And no matter what you do, give it your all and shoot for the moon. <laughs>